I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We are back with the second episode of our series where we are bringing riders, trainers, judges onto the podcast to talk about their philosophies and how they train their horses. This rider, though, I know a lot of you will know. I have had messages weekly, if not daily, sometimes asking to get her onto the podcast and she is here now olivia towers is a grand prix rider she has had huge success but what i was most interested in talking to her about was the journey that she has been on recently to shift her mindset to shift her approach with how she trains her horses now this episode is packed full of really useful tools really useful information but also some things that I really want you to think about to really actually sit and think a little bit more deeply about what you do with your horses and how you listen to them and the information that they're giving you too. Not just information with the horses, but also with you and with your mindset and you as a rider too. So I really hope that you enjoy the episode and please do keep sharing the podcast. Please do keep letting us know what you have taken from it. But let's get straight into it. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. So last time I was on yours and now it must have been like a year ago. That was more than a year ago. Gosh, that's scary. Ages. Good fun though. So do you want, I know the majority of our listeners know about you because I don't think, I mean, it happens easily on a weekly if not a daily basis that I have people saying can you please get Olivia on um but if there are some people who have been living under a rock or don't know who you are then do you want to tell people a bit about who you are what you do how you yeah. where you are the story the story um so I am 29 years old soon to be 30 which is panicking me slightly um and I uh, would say from the age of 16 to about a couple of years ago, I would have been like, yeah, I'm a dressage rider, predominantly just dressage rider. 
um, and like highly competitive. Um, been doing the competitive side since I was 16. Did some of the like Great Britain team things um, through like juniors, young riders. Uh, went to work into the equestrian industry, left school and was like, this is what I want to do. Let's go for it. Um, but then when I got into the equestrian industry, uh, really struggled with self-doubt a lot. I mean, it's something I think I had struggled with loads before, but it was just much more obvious with especially working with horses. Um, so then was really struggling, worked for someone for two years, um, then moved home to start uh, my own yard. And I was like, here we go. Like, you know, get like I'm going for it. Um, it was a rude awakening to how difficult it was and how little I knew. Um, which didn't help the self-confidence and um, yeah I was just really struggling for a few years with finding my feet in it I think when you leave young riders you kind of just expect that you are going to slot into place into the big boy world of the dressage industry and I didn't which on reflection no one does but I thought I was meant to so um, yeah carried on and then what year was it 2016 I think I had this what I'd call like my first epiphany of um when I was at the regionals had a really bad time uh with self-doubt and it just got really really bad so um basically went on this quest of self-development after that did that for years started doing the social media stuff because of it um really wanted to spread the word that you can change your mindset um but again, as life always does, I got a bit on a hamster wheel um, and lost sight of, I, I think I lost sight of the mindset stuff a bit because I was talking about it so much. I thought if you're, you know, people were coming to you asking for advice, you couldn't share when you were struggling. So um, burnt out really badly in 2019 from just doing way too much. Um, really struggled with that. And then I guess the social media side dropped off then um and still riding still doing all that but um yeah I went quiet there and then second epiphany came around with the horses um which is where my mum bought a horse for her 60th birthday and I was riding it um knew he was a bit nervous but didn't think much of it just carried on doing what I what I knew to do with the young horses um and then fell off him he bronked me off and I've fallen off before but I don't know what it was about that one that really cut me quite deep not physically but emotionally on the fact that I didn't know how to help him like I knew he was struggling with something but I couldn't see what it was and I didn't know how to help him and then I was like I really want to figure this out so then <laughs> it was the what I call the great unraveling of my training with horses of where I basically just when I know nothing about horses I've competed them and worked with them for years and I know absolutely nothing um which definitely took a knock onto my self-confidence again but I'm really glad it happened and um I'd say I'm maybe through the the terrible part of it and and just now realizing that you're always going to be able to learn more and now kind of just enjoying the journey with it does that cover it that's amazing I think that's the most like impressively in-depth slash like efficient run through ever <laughs> you can tell I love I love thinking and I love talking and telling stories so yeah Good. so I know 
obviously we did under 21s together and I think there's been a lot of talk that I've heard from people both kind of positive and negative do Mm. you do you look back at it as having a really positive impact on kind of how you train your horses or do you see it as a bit more negative or kind of a bit in the middle Hmm. um I try not to say that I'd never I'd never I'm glad I went through all the experiences I did but I wouldn't it wasn't it wasn't positive for me uh majority of it wasn't positive for me I think the big issue for me as a young rider was that I've I've always had an extreme amount of feel on horses um I'm quite a feely person and I'm very like in touch with things and I'm very sensitive and the the process that I went through with that it was basically that that was a, a negative of my character and I needed to change that that actually was uh I think a lot of people brought that up and it's only when I started doing the groundwork that I realized it wasn't a bad thing and I can use it as my strength. But yeah, through young riders, I mean, different things like people would say, you need to ignore your feel. Um, don't worry about that. Uh, just do this, get the marks. Uh, and I, I remember saying to my mum when I was 16, like, I just wish I could back young horses and, and understand how to run ride the young horses. And uh, my trainer at the time was saying to me, you don't need to worry about that. You, you you can get people to do that. Don't don't worry about that. And I just always felt like there's missing a big gap. So I <laughs> a good way to describe it is you, have you ever seen a horse that's been rushed up the levels and it's missing basics and you're watching and you're like, poor thing, it's trying its hardest, but it's flailing its legs around. It doesn't really know what it's doing. And that was me as a person. I was just like, oh, here I am in this situation. And I remember, no, we were in international. And um, one of the selectors said to me, like, I think I'd done a really bad walk period. They were like, okay, explain to me how you do a walk period. And I was like, I have no idea. I was like, I have no idea what that move is. And yeah, I was going into international competitions. So you look at that and you're like, no wonder it had a massive impact on um, your self-esteem because you're just thrown into it and I always just felt like I was just trying to catch up and I was never ever making it and I was never uh progressing and so yeah for me it was just I and I think I knew that I wanted to slow down and step back but it just wasn't the path and then I think at a young age you doubt you doubt those feelings a lot because you're young and people say no 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 this is the right way and you go oh yeah you're right I should be doing that and I need to be respectful of the people who have done this before and know more than me um but yeah yeah I'd say it's mainly negative on reflection now but I'm not sad I, I'm not sad I went through it because um it taught me a lot about what I don't want to do <laughs> which is good as well I think it's a lot of, ex- I think the experiences I learned in terms of like taking my horse to internationals and actually like planning and goal setting and that stuff, I think I learned quite a lot. But I think ultimately when I look back, I learned how to ride the junior team test and the young rider team test really well. Yeah. I didn't know anything else. And like, even now, if I ride those tests, I ride them far better than any other advanced medium or any other test. Mm-hmm. But I remember going and I had a lesson with Gareth probably about a year after I finished Young Riders and he went you need to get this horse more on the bit and I was like actually I have no clue how to get a horse on the bit yeah. like how how is it that I was riding around at PSG and 
couldn't get a horse on a bit. Like it's all those kind of stepping stones in the lead up just seem to get completely missed off. It's crazy. Yeah, because what what sixteen year old, fifteen to eighteen, whatever it is, who can do that at that age? Who has that knowledge? You can't develop that knowledge quickly. It takes time. It also takes a huge amount of mental maturity, which I think is so hard for a young kid to get. And then you're told off for big emotions, like when you get upset and not acting professional. And it's like actually the pressure those those I think you see it in most sports, pressure the kids are under is huge when they're going through a big change in themselves anyway. Mm-hmm. Um so it is it is really difficult. But I just I think, yeah, I see it a lot now, like kids at 17 thinking they should be able to do everything. And I'm like, you need to go and experiment and and play around with things and find your feel and your balance. And I mean, if anything, if I if my say this to Frank, if my children ride, which I'm really happy if they wouldn't, because I know how hard it is. um, But if they do, I think I'd be really adamant that they don't go down one direction, that they go and like just hang around horses and like um maybe because I'm really passionate about like the liberty stuff but like just reading a horse like reading their eye and their body language and and the signals they give is so important um the dressage does very easy when you've got a horse that's relaxed and knows how to use its body and I don't know if I say that because obviously I've been doing it for a long time and I've got a certain amount of knowledge but for me it's very simple and it falls into place what's hard is is reading a horse and if they're worrying helping them or if their body's a bit out of balance thinking how can I do this or how can I get the horse more aware of itself that's the hard part and I guess that only that only comes from experience and playing and trying things out and Yeah. yeah yeah so what for you then is the and this is a big question the most important part about training a dressage horse uh I think if I took away a dressage horse because I think I just look at them as like the horse uh, um reading the small signals and trusting that they have uh that they have perfect timing and, and perfect direction on kind of where things are meant to be going um and it's holding your nerve on situations like that that's very difficult and um, also seeking the right knowledge because when you first start this and your horse gives you um, shows you that there's something that they would like your help with it obviously would be great but it's really hard when you don't have the answers for that we're not always going to have the answers so seeking out the right knowledge which I think is one of the hardest parts um, well it has been for me especially in the UK um but yeah, I, just reading the small signals, they give you a signal for everything um, and you have to listen to them and then go and find the answer and show yourself grace as you do that, if that makes sense. So that's why I mentioned before when I have kids, it wouldn't even be like, you don't even need to be sat on a horse to do that, uh, which is why I'm massively into like the groundwork. Um, but then obviously it still goes through into the riding if that makes sense does that make sense yeah definitely and is there is there a certain part of that journey that you really enjoy the most or yeah uh I think again because I've got 
I always had like high sense of feel when I feel that the horse is like fully given and yielding and soft and accepting and like um understands what I'm asking of them and that connection that is that is amazing and I think that's what I sometimes struggle now with with social media I used to post like me piaffing a horse and it would get like so much attention but I'd know that it was maybe a bit uh not a hundred percent happy it looked amazing but wasn't hundred percent happy I'd know that I'd feel bad I'd post it still because I was like again don't be too you know harsh on yourself it's not like the horse was like mortified no one would have even noticed but I was like oh it doesn't feel great people would be like this is amazing that's incredible whereas I'll post a video of me just like walking with the horse on the floor and its body's just yielding a bit away from me and that for me is like the most golden feeling and people are like yay cool like or like you did a good canter transition and I'm like no that felt like that was so accepted by the horse that for me feels so much better and it is really hard um from going from doing like Grand Prix and doing high competition stuff which is people are like wow it's so incredible to them being like oh yeah I've just like rebacked a horse because it, I felt like it was upset and now it's six and it's trotting around comfortably for me I watch him and I'm like I'm more proud of myself for that than I was getting Wilf to do the Grand Prix in maybe a way that I was like oh I wouldn't do, like to do that again that makes sense so on that obviously you said a lot about how you've done you've almost like shifted a bit in your mindset and shifted a bit in how you train your horses how how is that like day to day how has that changed what you're doing with your horses each day mm-hmm. or like through the week even yeah oh no massively so it was either they uh, you ride them um or you lunge them and the lunging was just like oh gosh let's just get this done it's really boring or they hack they did do like pole, like they did pole work jumping but it was very much you're on them if you want to work them um and now it's changed of like, uh, so Mondays, I don't ride any of them. That's all groundwork. It's different gra- different groundwork, like techniques or ways for what that horse needs. Um, majority of my groundwork originally was very like how to relax the horse and like get them soft and down. Then I realized that I needed something else because they were all very relaxed, but not engaged. And they started <laughs> tracking their back end. I was like, okay, that's not working either. So then had to find a different way to be able to bring them up, but in a soft way and relax them. So yeah, it depends on where the horse is at. Like if if I feel that they've been a bit stressed and they're struggling with, for example, um, I fell off my four-year-old because this bag flapped out the door and I'd been working a lot on engaging him, but had completely forgotten about um, teaching him to be able to relax with pressure. So then I was like, okay, I need to go and work on that with him again, but need to remember I've got to keep him in balance. He's, he's 18 hands. He's massive. He's a bit on his forehand. He can't have a rider on if he keeps falling onto his forehand. So we have to balance that. I also need to balance keeping him fit enough. So it, it changes all the time with, again, just listening to what the horse needs at that time and um, having the confidence to change things and, I'd never say I get on a path for a couple of weeks that's really working with a horse but it's never lasts any longer than a couple of weeks before it has to change if that makes sense I think it's very easy to get into this like I found this golden thing that works and now I'm going to do it and then you start wondering why it's stopping working it's because it needs to evolve um but yeah that and then that like FJ is a really good example of of how I had to use the groundwork to help him like 
he would shut down very quickly because I think he'd had a lot of pressure put on him when he was young because um, he was a very reactive horse. I think they, they struggled to back him a few different people. So he learned to shut down. And then once he shut down, what would happen is he'd either shut down and feel like really lazy and you couldn't get him going or he would explode because he had nowhere else to go with it. So I had to use like Liberty when he shut down or, or a day we were going to ride him. And I was like, he's gone behind the eyes. I'd then like take everything off and just be like, let's mess around. Um, and that was hugely important for him, although physically it wasn't doing anything. He's going around a bit stiff and a bit like oh no. mentally he was just like, this is so great. And and now he's probably one of the most eager horses I ha- like we have with the training, um, whereas he could have gone very sour very easily if that makes sense and then through the rest of the week then what are you doing with them oh yeah sorry got carried away (laughs) um so then then tuesdays they're ridden um the four-year-old he'll do the groundwork on the monday then tuesday he goes on a hack the others get worked wednesday um the two young ones as like what i call their play day so Monday and Tuesday they'll work a bit more like on their physical thing Wednesday is play day where it might be like uh liberty or um like different pressures and although pressure doesn't seem very play they do like it because they're very inquisitive over it they're not scared of things because they've never been taught to be um and then uh, the older ones will hack on the Wednesday in between their work and then uh Thursday again they get worked Friday they get worked and then Saturday is I'm normally away teaching so mum jumps them on the lunch and they love that and it's also nice for them to have a day away from me um with someone else which is cool and then Sunday they have off and that's generally how it goes unless something messes with it and is your when you're riding them and doing your sessions with them ridden is that normal dressage training like you used to do or is that a little bit kind of bringing in the groundwork but ridden or is it very different to what you used to do I think what's cool is now I've learned a lot about how their bodies move I realized that what I wanted to do when I was younger was right um it just wasn't the knowledge or I felt rushed or I felt like for example today on one of mine I spent 20 minutes doing walk exercises that I would do I would can do on the ground but in the ridden because I felt like he was blocking and uh, could you imagine going to a lesson and being like, I'm going to spend 20 minutes in walk before we even do anything? They would just be like, come on, let's go on with it. Um, but now just trusting my instinct on it. Um, so, yeah, it's it's similar. There's a lot of like yielding feeling. And then uh, because with with a, a lot of the groundwork that I'll do with it, it's like the lateral to get them to release. But that does knock them out of balance sometimes when they're not strong enough so it's it's a balancing act of like okay I'm going to laterally get you to supple but then I'm going to teach you to sit back onto your hind legs okay but now we're going to go like a little bit sideways again but can you keep sitting back on your hind legs okay well you can't let's find a way to do that or like making easier harder um and one of my favorite things I really really want to write a thing about this you know with pirouettes like canter pirouettes walk pirouettes how I was taught, no one ever told me that I could do a pirouette without the bend to the way I was going. Then I started thinking, because on the ground, that's not what you do. You teach them, like, it's like you teach a leg yield first, then you teach a half pass. 
when you teach a pirouette on the ground, you teach it with opposite bend, like you would with a leg yield. So say you're pirouetting to the right, you teach it with left bend and just teach them to move over. Then as they get good at it and they're balanced, you can t- change the bend over. So I was like, why does no one do this in the ridden? So I started doing it with like the canter pirouettes and the walk pirouettes, just keeping their neck straight so they, they can balance. And then they're all amazing. And then when they feel confident, you can add the balance, uh, add the bend in. And I was like, why is no one, di- why did no one say that? I used to get told off if I was like, bend them more that way, bend them more that way. But the more bend you add into the neck, the more they'll drop onto the forehand if they're not in balance. Because it's it's like, I try and explain to people when I'm teaching them, imagine running, shaking your head like this, like you're not going to do it very efficiently. And that's sometimes what you see when people are like wrangling their horse's head off. And then they're like, why is it not in balance? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> might be with that. <laughs> um, yeah. It's so interesting, isn't it? I think it's, and especially it seems like the more groundwork you're able to do, the more of a kind of whole picture you get of the horse that you're actually riding you see well you see it and also when a horse falls out of balance you're on the ground they're in your face um or they run you not run over in like a flat out way but they like fall into you and it's very obvious and you're like whoa you really came out of balance like even a horse you know like that walks into you when you stop and they carry on walking that's not just because they're rude some horses it's because they just can't balance themselves so they're just like i flop onto my forehand and then you're like, they're in your face. So it's just so easy to see on the floor. Yeah. So I want to talk to you about mistakes because it seems like you have, and tell me if I'm wrong, but obviously you've you've spent a lot of time in the kind of dressage world, so to speak. Like you trained lots of horses. You'd obviously gone to Grand Prix. You're a Grand Prix rider. You had a system that, from the sounds of it now was covering things up but it was a system and now you've almost had to go through that really uncomfortable place of actually almost going back to the beginning again and not quite knowing what you're doing and everything else so how how have you dealt with that kind of feeling of making mistakes because and this is purely a selfish question because I know when I make a mistake with my horses I feel so guilty and feel bad for the horse that I almost hold myself to this really high expectation that I need to be perfect, which is obviously impossible. So how how have you dealt with it in kind of that switch? I went to therapy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Genuinely. No, not because of that, but it's definitely helped that. Um, So how did I, I I dealt with it terribly in initially and um, the, the reason I got someone and she's still doing it and I think she'll still do it till I've worked through it a bit more the reason I got someone to ride the young horses whilst I took them through the process of the groundwork was because I doubted myself so much that I was like I'd ridden four-year-olds loads but I was petrified to get on them because I was like you know I just waved a flag at them and and wiggled them around I was like oh my gosh now I've got to trust this process and get on them um and instead of just being like, yeah, just ride them forwards, off you go. There was all this different stuff. So I was like, oh, I do not trust this. But luckily, the girls who have ridden them for me are like mesmerized by what I was doing. And they were like, well, we like we trust you. We'll do it. And they get on them. They're like, they feel so good. Um, and I was like, oh, that's great. But when I was riding them, I was so much uh, doubting what was going on. And if they made a tiny thing as young horses, I think it's just very 
obvious with the young horses. That's why I keep going to, to that. But um, if they made a mistake, like they spooked or something else, I'm like, I didn't do it right. I did not do it right. I didn't prep them enough. I should have done this. I should have done that. And the self-doubt kicked in so much. I remember I was on Rufus and I was literally like shaking and I had to get off him because I was just so scared I was going to ruin him because he'd been, um, Mary Hackett backed him and she'd done it all the TRT method way. And I was like, he's such a pure soul and he's so confident and happy. I was like, I don't want to break it. So I oh, I remember after that ride, I drove to the top of the drive and I just bawled my eyes out. And mum was like, we'll get someone else to ride the young horse. And I was like, you don't understand. And I was just like, I'm so scared. And even now, like we took Rufus hacking today and he was a bit nervous the last time we took him out. And I felt so sick before we went today because I was so worried he was going to be upset. I wasn't riding him. Rosie was riding him. But I was so worried that I was like, oh, my gosh, I failed this horse because it's had a hard time that I was getting worked up. But um, again, the work I'm doing is therapy is really helping with this. And um, and the reason I went into therapy was not because of the horses, because I was having like chronic anxiety every day. But I realized the reason I was I was getting that chronic anxiety is because my expectations were so high. If I made a mistake in anything or something went wrong, it affirmed to me that I um, I'd failed or I'd done something badly or there was a reason that had happened. Um, so through the therapy, what I've actually started doing um and I think this is what's really helping me to be kinder to myself with the mistakes is there's a it's 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 an actual thing, but I didn't realize it. But I basically started writing a book. Um, and it's funny, I'm gonna actually explain what the book is about. And I haven't, but I started writing a book of the my perfect like life of, of who I wanted to be. And I created this woman, she's 35, five years time, of like she lived in a cottage and she was like you just know one of those peaceful people that's so sweet and so graceful and move through life in such a calm way and I created this character and I was just like this is amazing and then I just went oh what if like a younger person came into this situation and she helped her through it and the younger person was my younger self and the older person is my who I want to be and the book is basically it's so cool the book is basically me uh parenting myself with the person I want to be parenting my younger child and you it's it's uh, it's very hard to be like horrible to uh a character in the book when you see that the struggle she's going through and you understand why she's feeling that certain way um and then uh yeah creating a person that you want to become you realize that that's possible so that's one thing that's massively helping so if you're struggling with with the failure or uh, something's gone wrong, if you say to yourself, like, how would I treat how would I be treating myself if I was like the younger me or a younger person or someone else? Like, how would I go about that? Uh, that's really important. But um, the other thing that I really want to mention, and this is uh, I need to put a post about it because it's helped me so much is I was given a book by a lady called Dr. Caroline Leaf, who is. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Is a neuroscientist. Uh, sorry if I'm going on, by the way, with this. I just got so much on this. And um, I started reading it. It's called Cleaning Your Mental Mess. And she has an app where you do like a 63-day detox. And the way she explains like um, negative thoughts and uh, like toxic thoughts was that it's literally, it's science and um, it made complete sense to why I'd got myself in these loops and, and why they were happening. And she had done a case study with loads of people about, she gave them this app and showed them a way to get through it. Um, and, and I think it's like 90%, no, everyone made a difference but I think like 90% of the people were like extraordinary how much they changed and she just really broke it down of, of it being science and you can change any thought pattern if you stick at it for x amount of days and you you basically have to get to the root of why you feel away like don't you can't ignore the emotion and suppress it you get to the root and then once you get there then you reconceptualize the thought um and give it more energy and start changing it and again if you're like what is she going on about go and listen to her talk about it because it'll be way better than I am but um yeah through doing that work I basically realized it's possible to change any thought you just have to give it long enough and also keep reminding yourself about it but where it's different to you know when people say like stand in the mirror and just tell yourself like I'm great I'm powerful I'm strong is if you do that without accepting that you know for example if you felt really guilty of like okay I made a mistake on my horse ask yourself why do I feel guilty about that and and follow it all the way down so okay I made a mistake on my horse. why do you feel good I feel like I'm letting them down why do you feel like you're letting them down uh because I put so much pressure on myself and never making a mistake why have you done that because my expectations of myself are so high why are they like that and you just keep going until you'll get to a baseline and it does take time like you won't maybe not do it all in one sitting. So I think I, it's 21 days where you do this. It's called a me, um, a metacog and it's like a mind map. You start with a thought and it all comes off and you like start leading off, getting to the point. Then when you find out where the origin is, you then work back the other way of reconceptualizing it, if that makes sense. Sorry, I, I went on. I think it's really interesting that you called it work because I think it, it is work like it is you've got to give yourself time to actually sit down and do this and I think so often I know I do in this situation every time I feel something that's quite negative is especially if it's with the horses is to go that's not productive I don't have time for this right now and almost park it and I think the problems come when you park and park and park and mm -hmm. then suddenly it all comes up and I think it's as riders we are all very good at kind of just being like horses come first I'm just not going to think about me for a while until you're crying over the fact you've got 60% in the test or something like that and then yeah. it all comes up yeah 
it is work but I think what I've realized so so the chronic anxiety I've been struggling with I and again it's it all is tangled into one I was struggling with that for three and a half four years and I I tried to get out of it I tried everything like I worked hard to try and get out of it and I just was going round and I was playing it like a little in my little boat with a one paddle and I was going round in circles and I was just getting frustrated with why am I not getting any better um and you do just have to you have to just keep going until you find the the solution that works for you but I think why that um app worked so well for me is because it's 15 minutes in a day she walks you through it it also it's like perfectly timed where she's like you might be feeling really rubbish now and that's okay um don't think you're regressing you're actually progressing because you feel bad you're letting the emotions out which is weakening the um like electrons which are around the thought when you're feeling it you're weakening it and I was just like oh that's actually science like that's amazing and then because you're weakening it now you can change it whereas if you don't ever bring it out it just gets stronger um but yeah it's not it, for me it wasn't hard work it was like 15 minutes a day but also uh and I'm very lucky in the fact of it got so bad that I couldn't do day-to-day things that I had to address it when it's hard for people is when they can ignore it you know I, I okay it's just my riding that it's that it's leaking into at the moment that's fine I can just cope with that but when it's like I can't buy myself food today or my car's empty of fuel I can't go and get fuel I've got to go and call my best friend to be like can you come to the fuel stick then you're like okay <laughs> we got to get ourselves out of this so yeah I think that's a good thing to say. If, if someone's feeling really intense um emotions and they're feeling really like big shame about it just look at it as a positive because it's pushing you for change more than someone just that just floats through life with a little underlying stuff going on if that makes sense mm. yeah. your mum my mum your mum I want to talk about your mum because I I work with my mum and our relationship now you're going now you're going into uncharted yeah I know it's hard and I think it's in in no there's no one else I know aside from in riding and and maybe like farming and that sort of thing that work with their parents or like with their mum it's quite rare and I think I uh, me and my mum have always really struggled to separate the business with family like her being my mum and her being my boss or my partner and things like that and I think especially with the riding especially when we care so much about the horses I think it's very easy to kind of cross wires or miscommunicate and things like that so and I also know that a lot of our listeners are younger girls out competing with their parents like we were through our under 21s is there any advice or things that you would suggest these people do to help not necessarily make the relationship better because like it is tough but almost help in that process of communicating and kind of getting on the same page almost yeah I think maybe it's because we were discussing this before the podcast but for me what jumps out initially when you say that is remembering that your your parent or your mum is a human themselves and they have struggles themselves and they have insecurities themselves 
and they're not perfect. Like you, you were mentioning, it's really easy to think your parents are perfect, um, but they're not and no one is. And there's not going to be a person that raises their child without um you know having an impact on them negatively in some way and that's really hard to say when like you know you love your parents um like I love my mum so much and she's also sacrificed a lot for me and done a lot for me and is just the most like um selfless person I know but then also realizing that sometimes that can be her detriment um and that she's got other things going on and and rather than thinking like oh I've got to have a like it's me against her just realizing like trying to show her a bit of grace too and be like yeah okay maybe I wish like I don't know uh, certain things could have been different but I'm an adult now and I can take responsibility for that like the the parenting myself there's things that I wish my mum maybe had done when I was younger and I know she'd be mortified me saying that but I also don't hold anything against her for that and I don't I'm not you know looking at her like oh I wish she'd done better um I'm thinking like now I'm old enough I can take responsibility for myself and I can parent myself and help myself um so I think that's really really important uh and then trying to think what I would kind of want to say to my really younger self you know when you're not quite old enough to maybe start pathing out your own way I mean just I just trying to show each other grace would be would be the one I find it I it, maybe it's because I'm still going through stuff with it but I just I think it's genuinely one of the hardest things for both sides of the equation not just like oh it's hard being the child but like I can only imagine how hard it is to this little human that you've brought up and loved so much and and tried to nurture turning around and being like oh you're doing this or like I don't love you anymore you know like like that would be mortifying and I think the mums are always trying to save their their kids from the hurt um and the disappointment I mean there's so much of it in the equestrian industry isn't there that that could that's so hard to watch um that's what my mum did I think she and I think we've we've had conversations about it now but I know and I hope she doesn't mind me saying this but she would very much try to jump in before I got hurt yeah rather than actually giving me and I don't that there's not a right way and a wrong way and I know that it came from a place of kind of love and care and she just wanted the best for me but then from my side it then made me feel like she was being really controlling and it's really hard to kind of it both comes from a place of both kind of wanting the best for each other but it just always gets a bit crossed yeah no I I really resonate with that and um I think it comes from such a loving place but uh what I've uh, I've noticed again with my uh, journey of self-development I have found something on TikTok that is literally healing my inner child and it's this snowboarding community with these little three-year-old kids and they take them snowboarding and the way they parent is just phenomenal. Um, and I'm sure, again, they make mistakes, but they're so good at like letting the kids make mistakes and then being like, oh, how can we learn that? And this is like dangerous situations. And they're so good at how they kind of like taught the kid through it. And I think that's fascinating to watch. Um, 
and it's really really interesting and then I keep watching it and thinking oh that's how I want to be as a parent and the other thing as well is that we uh, me and Frank my fiance have started doing marriage prep because we're both Christians um and there was a section on uh like how to be a good listener and <laughs> I found it so hard he found it really easy but it's like being able to listen to someone who is, is saying like I'm struggling with this or I'm worried about this and being like um trying to recall what they're saying rather than jumping in with advice and they listed five things of a bad listener and I just thought it was really interesting one of them was reassuring and one of them was um like but in to try and like fix things or like be solution focused and that's attributes of a bad listener and I was like wow I really think I do it all the time when people are struggling reassure them I'm like oh I totally get like that and this situation I once felt like this and it's like no what people actually need is you to be like oh I I feel really like heard and listened and they didn't try and fix me because I'm not broken I'm just trying to get it out and I thought that was really interesting because I'm terrible at it. And so I was like, before I become a parent, I was like, I really want to work on being able to just just sit, which I can imagine is so hard for a parent and be like, so what are you worried about? And then being like, blah, 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 blah. and you'd be like, okay, this is what I heard. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, is there anything else you want to say? And then it's like, blah, 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 ball comes out. And yeah, it's amazing what could come from that. But it's hard. I don't think think it's allowed their generation as much either. So maybe it's changing now. Should be good. God, I think I need to learn to listen more. I do that too. It's hard. Yeah, I'm trying. There's a guy who speaks about it. Well, not Stephen. It is Stephen Covey. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm. There's a section in that on listening because I remember reading it ages ago. Um, but it's really good. We are now on to our quick fire. So we've got quick fire round, and then we've got two questions. Um, so quick fire round is mm. one word or max a sentence okay I've also made them really hard for you as well um, um no. first one what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given uh in one word or a sentence max a sentence read the bible easily done what is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given uh ignore your instinct or slash feel in every part of life what's one thing you used to believe but no longer believe is true that I'm not good enough these are great ones (laughs) if you could change one thing about the dressage industry what would it be uh only once uh, <laughs> uh intense judgment in every area so the last question is like have you um listened to the diary of a ceo yes so it's that idea at the end that whoever is the previous yeah. guest writes a question for the next guest so the last guest we had on was annie rawlings and she doesn't know that it's for you um when she wrote the question um but her question is what is the horse that has had the biggest impact on you as a rider well it's two that's hard um you can say two okay wilf and fj wilf for uh 
basically her and it was Claire Gallimore I remember said it to me well I saw it in an advert of hers and it's like the definition of insanity is uh repeating something the same way and expecting different results and that was what Wilf taught me to to find a different route which led me into groundwork and then FJ who um uh showed me how to truly listen to a horse um yeah so it's the same thread, but on completely different levels. So like Wilf's was a much more basic level. God love him. Um, not because of him, because of me. <laughs> like he would have loved if I'd really listened. But um, FJ was, yeah, the, and I'm sure there'll be another horse that will go even deeper, uh, which is the cool part. But yeah, definitely those two. And not that I don't love the other ones, but they were the, maybe just the horses that were picked for, teaching me those two lessons so yeah yeah amazing so this final part is just a question round so we've got three questions three kind of some of them a bit of dilemmas some of them a bit um more training issues um and it's just very interesting to get your opinions on these as well so the first question is from alana and she has said hi jess and olivia would really appreciate your advice. My horse never takes the contact and always tries to come behind the vertical. I've never been able to work out why or be able to fix the problem, but it's something I have been struggling with for years. What would you suggest? Um, is it, am I answering what we both answer? Oh yeah, no, no, it's all down to you. Absolutely. Imagine if it's completely opposite of what you... <laughs> I've been just off the bat, there's a really good uh, technique you can use with the reins where instead of holding them normally, oh, it's so hard to explain this without demoing it, but you hold it like a frying pan so that rather than the rein going from um, like up and over your hand, you start, did you know what I'm trying to say? Are you saying instead of going like... Like hold it like that rather than Yeah, that. so instead of the rein going up through your hand, it goes down your hand yeah but you hold your hand like this oh okay so, uh rather than it being like don't hold it like that but it's maybe like... we'll find we'll find a photo or something so if anyone's wondering what we're talking about they can go to social media and they'll find it there and then i'll put a post up with a photo of us like this or something yeah <laughs> yeah i really hope that makes sense but imagine you're picking up a frying pan a handle that that that's where the where the frying pan handle would lie. That's a really, really good one. Um, okay, my advice for that as well would be, uh, I guess you have to just try and get to the root of like why they're doing it. And they're, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, it really varies with each horse. So like sometimes horses have been ducked behind the contact because they're not truly in front of the leg and they don't feel like they can move through the body into the rein. Some are just really sensitive in the mouth. And like, if you do slightly, uh, you know, have a moment where you've maybe pulled back, they are quite uh, delicate to that. And then they can just learn to come back off the contact. Um, hmm balance as well I mean the more in balance they get the better they can get through the rain I, so these questions I find really difficult because it can vary so much to the horse's uh confirmation and where they're blocking in their body um 
but I would say yeah when I have someone that comes in with that is really try and think about your hand being like an invitation rather than it being too not saying that you've got harsh hands I don't know how you ride but trying to let them seek it also um, having your hands closer together will encourage the horse to pull out if you open your hands quite wide you're going to round them off at the pole quite a lot and drop it over if they're close together it encourages the horse to pull out if that makes sense it's a hard one when they come behind the vertical isn't it because I think or like they don't want to take the contact because I think there's so many things that can cause there it is. and I think the one thing I always do is I always if anyone says this to me I'm always like get a video of you riding first and look at your hands because yeah. if your hands aren't like you said if your hands aren't inviting you're not there's it's nothing encouraging for the horse to take the contact from and then I always make people tick through the scales of training and then be like yeah. is the rhythm correct is the tempo there are they really supple or is there some resistance or blocking yeah and then if it's not that then I would tend to look at like is it something like not necessarily like more serious not like anything major but like then mm -hmm. it's kind of something else a bit I mean variants with with it which is why it's so hard mm -hmm. it's a tough I hate the contact like the contact something that I, I spend my life obsessing over I'm just like so oh I could spend all honestly every single horse yes. I sit on I could spend the whole time thinking about the contact and my trainer has to be like just stop like just like the more yeah. you obsess over it sometimes the worse it gets yeah I know I'm exactly the same it's a love-hate relationship. Nice. So the next one then, um, this person wants to remain anonymous, not for any reason other than um, her, I will explain later, um, but she has said, um, I have a trainer who I have trained with for many years. I've had lessons with them three times a week for mm. three years. Mm, and recently people have been telling me that I rely too much on my trainer and it is being detrimental to my riding I've never mm. thought of this as being a problem before would you suggest I stop completely change trainers reduce the amount of lessons or carry on as normal I am happy mm. with how my horse is going but since people have said that I have felt recently in tests that I don't actually know how to fix problems that happen Mm. okay my advice firstly would be try and check the source of, of these people if it's someone you trust and you trust their opinion and they have your best interest at heart maybe look at it and, and take it a bit more seriously if it's just off-handed comments maybe don't take that so seriously so I would ask someone that knows the situation and say look this is how I'm feeling and I think as well remembering this it doesn't need to be like all or nothing so it doesn't need to be like a black or white situation. So maybe you need to go, okay, I really like my trainer. They're really helping me, but I would like to be a bit more like understand things. And so maybe that might be um, like having two trainers where you're like, oh, I find someone that's like very uh, heavy on the explaining of why I'm doing something. And I feel like I can do it by myself. And then I can still go to that trainer that's helping me. Or you could be like, okay, I'm going to try like two lessons a week or one lesson a week. Or even if you just carry on the same way, but observe it for yourself and just go, I'm going to carry on, but I'm actually going to look at this now and think of it, like what's going on. That would be what I'd probably do. There's a few options. I had, I mean, this was me. So I, when I was a junior rider, I had lessons every time I rode. Um, 
which when it started was really necessary because I was riding a horse that was far more experienced than me I didn't know a lot and so it was kind of necessary for me to learn how to ride um but then it got to the stage where I think I uh, kind of similar to what she's saying like I would go into a test and I would know what buttons to push but if the buttons didn't get pushed or if the buttons like didn't get what I wanted I'd be like oh okay like what do I do now like I'd have no idea and so then I think I almost went the wrong way and then actually just ended up going cold turkey and having no lessons which is something that I really wouldn't suggest because I just fumbled through it then with like zero knowledge um but I think yeah if you can like you said if you can almost just just sit with it a bit and observe it because I think you don't want to go headstrong into this and just like completely change trainers and do everything because actually this trainer if you're happy with how your horse is going like your trainer's obviously like doing a good job but also we don't know where you're at where your horse is at like Mm. your situation so I do Mm. think it's quite good to sit with it for a bit and then yeah like you can go and maybe like do a test riding session with a judge or have a different lesson with someone else every now and then and get Mm. different people's opinion which I never think is I think that's a good idea anyway no matter what it's always quite good to have different people's opinions and different people's eyes so yeah definitely is there anything you'd want to add to that with that no I agree I agree it's good so the last one then is from Sarah and she said hi Olivia and Jess I would love to ask Olivia this question as I know that she will be able to help so no pressure um (laughs) that's a big one um my horse is really spooky and I've been struggling for ages to ride him at shows it progressively got worse and worse starting with little spooks and now progressing to him not going down one side of the arena I've Mm. now stopped competing because of it as I couldn't find a way to fix it but it's now starting to happen at home what should I do and this is the great thing although it seems like a terrible thing at the moment it's actually you've got to take this as a positive because the horse is giving you an opportunity for growth here. Um, and I think that does happen. You know, we kind of go like, I'll stop going in that situation. And it'll get better. And it, it's like, no, it's not going. It's it's you need to evolve now to get past this. So it's a fantastic opportunity for one. Look at it that way rather than it's very easy. Because I know I did it beating yourself up and thinking like, oh, this is terrible. So that's the first thing I'd say. Secondly, um, again, it's it, I always think with speaking, it's the horse is communicating with you about something and it's very common that it goes from like a small thing to them building if we don't uh give the horse a way of handling those emotions that they're feeling you they're going i'm nervous in this situation what shall i do and we need to be able to give them the tools to relax again so of course <laughs> me being me i would go first start with it in the groundwork um and uh, it's hard because um try, trying to cover like different things with the groundwork but you've got basic groundwork patterns of teaching the horse how to yield and how to move their body in a good way and through that you teach them how to soften so then once you've taught a horse the cue to soften which I'm doing it now I'm like mm, yielding um once you've taught them that then you know when you take them into a stressful situation and they get nervous you go oh do you remember how to get your body to relax and they go oh I do remember that and then you can yield them through that um so that would kind of be how I would go about it and uh, the um, maybe a bit of advice I could give you without having to ravel off how to do the groundwork is just think of of 
when a horse is spooking, it's not about the object, it's about the horse following your feel through a situation. So um, what I do a lot of with my horses is I start on like a figure of eight, uh, like a figure of eight on like eight meter circles. And I do a lot of change direction. I think, okay, we're going to go left, follow me left. We're going to go right, follow me right. And just start moving them around. And then just thinking like, is the horse following my feel? Um, so that when they get nervous, I can kind of redirect them where I need to. And just if they're worried about a long side or a certain object, don't feel you have to take it head on. Just move the horse's body around, get them feeling good and then work your way closer to it and then maybe come away. And if they walk past the thing that they've been nervous of and they go past it and, and you get just relax after that, give them the rain, soften, chill. And then they start picking up like, oh, that's kind of a, a good thing. And that's how I can start to let go. It's a really hard one though. I wish I could like, see it and go for a lesson with Olivia that's that's the (laughs) um but there's definitely a way through it and it will be you know once you find the way to get them to understand how to relax it's quite a quick process normally of them doing it the hard part is finding the answer I think do you think that's like yeah do you think that could go off that I hope so oh I wish I could see it now I'm like "Mm." I want to know what it looks like yeah to really help send in videos next time with your questions yeah yeah (laughs) no it's really it's really hard to not get emotional in those situations either um and it's and it's totally normal isn't it like I we've we've both been there that like you have bad tests or you have a run of bad tests and you then I would then go oh well this means that I'm a bad rider and it's like but but no it doesn't and it just don't take it personally either like it's it's not a personal vendetta against you because horses don't have that in their brain humans have that in their brain but horses don't have that um so don't think he's got it in for you it's just yeah how he's feeling at that time yeah it's hard to remember though I honestly feel like we could talk for what I mean we have spoken for hours but thank you so much for coming on I know everyone is going to love this and I'm so excited for everyone to hear it but thank you so much for coming on thank you for being here thank you for chatting thank you it was really fun Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.